in the same way that you can't change your fingerprint and you can't change your iris. You can't change your identity given by God. And welcome to the Love Key Church message of the week. Love Key Church is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a focus on creating a place, opportunity, and atmosphere through worship music and the Word where people can encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, Valetta, and our four children, we recently launched Love Key Church right here in Somerset West. Enjoy the message. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. Thank you so much. God bless you as you listen to this word. What a, what a privilege that we get to worship God. It's amazing. And we can gather. There are countries where our brothers and sisters in Christ will get arrested for doing what we're doing right now. So we thank God that we have... We have this, that this is possible. Good morning once again and welcome to church. Uh, we are busy with a series on aligning with God's will for, with certain subjects in His Word. Of, in, in His Word, We've been doing, uh, we've been talking about understanding His idea of love, His idea of the fear of the Lord. We spoke about faith, how important it is to bring these things together. We've spoken about his heart for unity in the church, and we spoke about holiness last week. And I really want to encourage you, if you've missed any of these, to go back and watch the videos or listen to the podcast so you can see how God is guiding us through this series. Today, around the world, in most places, as far as I know, uh, we celebrate what they call Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the day we celebrate of when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And in the book of John, it says they broke off palm branches and took their clothes and they threw it on the road in front of him as he was riding into Jerusalem on this donkey. And in all the Gospels, it is written there that this happened. It's called the triumphal entry of Jesus. And it's this beautiful moment where an ancient scripture is fulfilled that the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem on the back of a humble colt of a donkey, a beast of burden. Not at all the kind of triumphant entry that many Jews were hoping for and expecting. They were hoping for one that comes in a mighty way, a savior coming in on a horse with an army that'll take over the Roman Empire and free the Jewish people from their oppressive government. Instead, they get a blue-collared worker riding in on a donkey. But according to John, those who had witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus just before this had spread the news. And they were super excited to see Jesus enter Jerusalem. And they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, which means salvation, salvation has come. And they were excited because they knew something about what was happening. But Jesus knew he was entering Jerusalem to die. He knew this. But this was not the reality for his disciples and those throwing clothes and branches on the, on the ground. They didn't really 
understand. He's been telling them that this is ha- com- it's coming, it's going to happen, but they didn't really understand it. They didn't really believe it. Now, depending on which gospel you read, you get a slightly different sequence of events. I, I, I read the story in all four, and I, I started noticing, listen, the, it's different in the gospels, the sequence of events. What we do see after he enters Jerusalem, in no particular order, apparently, that I can figure out, there, I went to see some people try to extrapolate the sequence of events according to dates, um, but there are differing, differing opinions. So, in no particular order, uh, he, after he entered the city, he, he cursed a fig tree, he wept for Jerusalem, he did the temple cleansing. In Matthew, you read the triumphal entry, and the next moment you say, Jesus went into the, the temple and he cleansed the place, and then he, he kept healing people. Just imagine a day like that. Yay! All the fanfare, all the hosannas, all the leaves. You walk into the table and start throwing tables over. It's like, what? That could be interesting. I kind of liked reading Matthew's version of it. Um, but he, he does all these things. And, and then, but there, there's a specific moment that we only find in the book of John that we get a very special glimpse into the thoughts, the mind of Christ. And that's what I would like to focus on today. Yes, we celebrate that Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, and and we can talk about that, but I really felt that the Holy Spirit is leading us to to not just focus on the triumphal entry, but to focus on where was Jesus' mind at the time. As he was doing these things, entering Jerusalem, cleansing the temple, cursing the fig tree that couldn't give him a fig, why was this happening? Where was he going with this? And people looking on must have thought a few times, a lot of this doesn't really make sense. But the ones that in John it says, when, they, when after Jesus had been glorified, they looked back at moments like these and they understood. It was only after Jesus was glorified. So, but before we get into that, I want us to look at the meaning, the definition of the word identity. And then I want to ask a question that I felt God asked me this week that kind of rocked my world. So, some definitions of the word is the quality of being the same, the quality of being the same or sameness. Some say the condition or fact that an entity is itself, the fact that an entity is itself and not another. The the Hebrew word that comes closest to uh, the word identity we get from Latin and French is a word that is phonetically pronounced, tehudat. And it means this, or thisness. It's not thisness in Afrikaans, not Thisness, okay? So, we can see that identity refers to something specific. It is, when I say this is my identity, I'm saying this is who I am, this is how I am, this is why I am. And here's the question that I felt God asked me. Is your identity determined by your creator or by you? Let's ask it in another way, an analogy we read in the Bible as well. Does the pot determine its purpose, its shape, or its color? 
or does the potter? So, do you think that your circumstances, other people, your own thoughts, do these things determine your identity? Or does a loving creator, a father, have the first and final say over who you are? I believe God wants us to encounter him today and align with his idea of who we are to come into alignment with his original plan for each of us in terms of our identities. So, are you ready to identify your identity? His son, Jesus, is our ultimate example. Last week we spoke about the importance of coming into alignment with God's idea of holiness and to know that it's possible that we can live holy lives this side of heaven. We read from 1 Peter that says we need to be holy as God is holy. And I know that that's a difficult subject for many Christians because we feel it's impossible. But I believe God came and showed us very clearly from his word that it's possible. It just depends on whether we have a desire to live holy lives and whether we are in tune with him. This week, we look at Jesus' sense of identity, the one who was fully God and fully man, who lived a sinless life but became sin for our sakes. So I want us to look at a scripture from John 13, which was moments after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. So please turn to your Bibles, or if you're on the Bible app at the event, you'll see the scripture come up now. Or just turn into your Bibles to John 13 from verse 3. And I want you to really listen, really focus, and see this amazing glimpse that we get into the mind of Jesus at this time. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, And was going to God, rose from the supper, and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. (laughs) What an amazing verse. We don't see this in any of the other Gospels. We get this glimpse into Jesus' identity, his sense of identity, his, his, the way he was thinking about things. We can see that Jesus knows exactly who he is. From the scripture, we can see a few things. He knew what the Father gave him. He knew. Notice this is pre-crucifixion. This is pre-the glorifying moment of him dying and what we're going to celebrate next weekend good friday where he died on a cross and three days later he rose again and then after that he ascended to heaven before this happens he knows that god had given him all things in other words he knows what is still coming but what he was already received by faith And that already is a massive lesson for us. Have we received by faith even that which is to come 
what God has given us. So how could he have received these things? Well, it was perhaps because he knew what his mission was and he knew the end from the beginning. And there's also that verse that really challenges our thinking that says, before the foundations of the earth, Jesus was slain. But we won't get into that right now. The second thing he knew that we get from the scripture is he knew where he came from, from God, from heaven. He knew what? His roots, his true roots. He knew um, who made him. He remembers the voice from heaven on the day that he was baptized by John in the Jordan that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He remembers that. He knows where he comes from. And then he also knows where he was going. Back to God. Back to heaven. To the right hand of God. With the authority that Adam lost to the devil. It is not specifically mentioned in this scripture. But we know that Jesus knew his mission. And he knew before he could go back. He had to complete his mission. The question we have to ask ourselves from Jesus' example is, do I know what God has given me? I'm not Jesus, you're not Jesus, so you haven't received all things. But you have received some things, some talents, some opportunities, some personality traits. Do you know where you really come from? Do you know where you are going? And do you know what needs to happen in between with your life? These are very important questions we need to ask ourselves. Now, there are very practical human ways to answer these questions. But I, I, want, to, I want to focus in today on establishing who we are as born-again Christians, saved believers, people who have decided to make Jesus our King and to surrender our lives to His will. In order to do that, we need to look at Scripture. So, I'm going to give us a few, and I want you to really focus and listen to what God says to us through these Scriptures. It's going to really help you to know who you are as a Christian. And if you read these, and there's a sense that, oh, I don't know if I have this. I don't know if this is who I am. It is possible that you may not have given your life to Christ. When I was 16 years old, I was convinced I'm a Christian because I grew up in a Christian home. I went to Sunday school, I read the Bible, I prayed. And then on a Christian leaders camp, yes, that's how much I thought I was a Christian. I was at a Christian leaders camp. I encountered God in such a way that completely changed my life. And I realized that I knew facts about this Jesus, but I didn't know him personally. And from that moment, when I felt in my spirit how I ran into the arms of the Father God, and he hugged me and said, I love you, my son. From that moment, I knew. I knew there's something so much more, so much better than what I was living up until that point, trying to just please this person in heaven that I don't even know. And that is the difference. So I want you to be open to 
having the realization today, maybe that you haven't made that decision. And I want to invite you in if that is you today. And if you are a born-again believer and you know that you are a child of God, I want you to invite you to come into more of a full revelation of what that means. All right. So let's do that as we read these scriptures. Acts 17 from verse 26 to 28. This is Paul talking in Athens to people who invited him to come and speak because he, according to the Greek philosophers, they were like, whoa, you've got some new ideas. We want to hear them. So now he's telling them about, he says, you have so many gods, you even have a statue to the unknown God. I want to tell you about that one. And so he's making this speech, and he tells them from verse 26, And he, God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So this is a confirmation that even if you are not born again as a person made by God, you are his offspring. Ephesians 1 from verse 3 to 6 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, who has blessed us already with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So if you are in Christ, you have been blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him when? Before the foundation of the world. Were you at the foundation of the world? Not physically, but spiritually. That we should be what? Holy. Hmm, that sounds like last week's sermon. Blameless. Without blame before him, in love, having predestined us to what? Adoption. As sons, as children, by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of His will. This is His will, that this is how it is. To the praise and glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Do you not feel accepted? Do you not feel like you belong? Do you not feel like you have a home? Jesus tells us that in Him, we have all of that. Just because you don't feel it, doesn't mean it's not true. Just because you don't feel like that's your identity doesn't mean it isn't your identity. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you, the church, the believers, the ecclesia, the called out ones, are a chosen generation. Chosen. That means there's purpose. A royal priesthood. You look at the royal family and you think they're special. You are royalty in Christ Jesus, a holy nation. Now, what would have made more sense there? Holy priesthood and royal nation, right? But look what he does. Royal priesthood, holy nation. 
That's a whole sermon on its own. His own special people that you may proclaim. So why are we his own special people? So that we can proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're out of darkness. We're in marvelous light. And we are what? His children. To do what? Proclaim this to other people. 2 Peter 1 verse 2 to 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has done what? Okay, this is important. What has his divine power done? It is given to who? To us, the church. What? All things. Not some things. All things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. What is godliness? Holiness. I should have used this one last week as well, but I had so many already. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us, what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. How many of you want some exceedingly great and precious promises? If you are in Christ, you have them. That through these you may be what? Listen to this. Partakers, having part of the divine nature, holiness, original design, what we were created for, having escaped, gotten away from the corruption that is in this world through lust. That's who we are. Come on, get excited. Thank you, my boy. At least one of us is getting excited. Galatians 3, verse 26 to 29. For in Christ Jesus, born again, saved, you are all sons of God. That sons is a spiritual term. It's not a gender term. So this includes everybody. Through faith, by grace, through faith, we are believers. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Greek nor Jew. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. Confirming my point from earlier. For you are all in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are what? Abram's offspring. Whoa! Abram's offspring? What? Heirs according to the promise. The original promise God made to Abram. Through Christ, we are part of that. Come on. Somebody get excited. That's huge. Do you see? Are you starting to get some kind of picture of who you really are as a born-again believer? You are not, you are not the way you feel about yourself. That's not who you are. You are not what other people's opinions of you are. You are not that. Your fingerprint that we use to identify people with, the iris of your eye that is, I, that is unique, no one else's iris or fingerprint looks like yours, doesn't change from what God determined before the foundations of the earth just because you have had a bad experience or a hard life. In the same way that you can't change your fingerprint, and you can't change your iris. You can't change your identity given by God. 
but you can believe a lie about who you are. And that can affect the way you live and the way you go forward. You may need to discover this, who you really are, so that you can recognize it, celebrate it, and live it out. But it is there. It is there. And I know some of us have been hit harder by challenges, sin, brokenness, other people's issues in our lives to the point that we can't even recognize ourselves. I know. But I want you to know that for Christ, all things are possible. No matter what pit you find yourself in or what kind of brokenness caused you to not know who you really are, Christ can come through all of those things and change it for you. You are not becoming who God made you to be. He has already made you in His image with your unique and special personality, passions, natural and spiritual talents and unique purpose. It's done. It's made. It's there. We should all know that God has already given us. Sorry. We should all know what God has already given us. Where we actually come from. Where we're definitely going. And what our mission is in between. It is already given. That's my point. Yes, we may be discovering it and walking into it. But it's not becoming that We are that. It's walking it out to a fuller extent. I hope you can understand that distinction. I need you to ask, I need you to, I need to ask us all these four important questions. A couple of years ago, I was doing these workshops for aspiring singers, people that wanted to get into the music industry. And for most of the time, I was trying to discourage them. (laughs) Because I knew, I know how hard it is. To make it and how much you must really know that this is for you. And one of the things I would ask them is, is these four questions. And I want to ask us these four questions today as well. Because I believe it has a spiritual implication. And what I would ask these aspiring singers is, who are you? Why are you here? What is your message? And to whom is your message? Why are you here? Sorry, who are you? Why are you here? What is your message? And to whom is your message? Now, in musical terms, it meant, what is your brand identity? What, is, what are you about? What, do you, what makes you different? What makes you unique? Why are you here? What kind of music do you want to make? Where do you fit into the genres? What is your message? What is your songs about? What is the lyrics? What is the purpose of the lyrics? What do you want to try to get people to do? And then to who is your message? What's your audience? What's your target market? So that's the terms we used for that. But in terms of spiritual application, I believe it's as important. Jesus, we saw from John 13.3 today, he knew what he had received. He knew where he came from. And he knew where he was going. And he knew he had a mission in between. And I believe that he is our example in this to show us how important it is for us to answer these questions. So I want to ask you today, earnestly, seriously, who are you? And the answer is not your name. Although our names, if it has a proper meaning, can be prophetic 
over who we are and where we're going. And that's also why we chose our kids' names very carefully and prayerfully because we want to speak their identity in Christ over them every day. But for most people, when you say, who are you, and they say their names, they don't mean that's who they are. They just mean that's my name. Or they say, I do this for a living. That's not who you are. That's just your job. The other day I was counseling a couple, and I asked the man, who are you? And he had a really tough time answering. Made him uncomfortable. The question makes most of us uncomfortable. It's like when someone greets you and says, hey, how are you doing? And you, you say something you know, to the effect of, oh, uh, <laughs> which I really don't like. Um, or, and then a few minutes later, if you know each other well, most of us do this. You know, we do the initial, hello, how are you? And then later we'll go, no, really, how are you? And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going through this and I'm going through that. And, 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 and. and that it's, it's almost like that moment. I really want to know who you are. God has already determined who you are, who I am. But you may need to discover it. You may need to discover the fullness of it. And today there's an opportunity to do that. But I'm going to help you. (laughs) I'm going to help you with the first part of the answers. Who are you? You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And you know what? If you really know that, if you really receive the fullness of that truth, that's actually enough. That's enough to keep your mind and your heart and your passions busy for quite a while. But I want you to know that that's where it starts, is to know I am a child of God. That's why we sang that song today. I am a child of God. You're a son of God. I can throw a whole bunch of other scriptures in here as well. I, I learned from Craig Rochelle, someone who I really look up to, that he has a list of I am declarations based on scripture that he reads aloud every day over himself, his marriage, his family, his ministry. And I started doing that, and it makes a huge difference in my thought life to remind myself every day out loud, I'm a son of God. I'm a man of God. I'm a brother of Christ. I am a born-again, holy and blameless follower of Christ. I'm a co-heir with Jesus Christ. How huge is that? I think we're going to soon talk about a sermon called All Things, and I'm going to show you what we are co-heirs of. It's huge. It's massive. It's mind-blowing. All right. Next question. Why are you here? I'm going to help you. You are here in your original design to build God's kingdom. Boom. You're a child of God who are here to build God's kingdom. That can also keep you busy for a while if you really get the gravity of that. What is your message? What is, then this is the question about what is my specific purpose within the greater purpose of building God's kingdom? And that's the question of what has God put in my heart? What am I really passionate about? One way to get to this answer is to ask, what do you get? If you see it happen or you you hear about it, you get a holy anger inside of you. Like, this is not right. I need to change this. Something needs to happen. That's the kind of question you need to ask yourself. 
What, what did God put in you that gets you angry? Not like sin angry. The kind of anger you go, I need to do something about this. That kind of anger. What is that that is in your life? And you will probably find that you have talents, spiritual gifts that line up with that passion. And that is where you can make a change for the kingdom of God. So question three, what is your message is, how specifically do you build the kingdom of God with what he has given you? And who is your message to? There are almost 8 billion people in the world. That's a lot of people. And many of them don't know Jesus. And many of them do know Jesus, but they still have a lot of growth that needs to take place. And God did not call me or, or someone here or, or you to reach everybody. But he has called you to reach somebody. Because there's somebody or a few people that only you can reach. And you've been specifically positioned to reach them with the gospel message, with the hope of Jesus, with the love of Jesus. And if you don't fulfill that, there's a missing link in the family of God. And that's not a burden I'm placing on you. It's a, it's a, it's a truth that I'm saying that's actually going to liberate your life. To know that you have purpose. <laughs> you have a unique purpose that only you can fulfill. And we all, as the body of Christ, need you to do it. Because otherwise we all miss out. Do you, do you get that? So I want you to really take a moment so that we can reflect and respond to this question, to these scriptures. I want you to ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you your true identity that was established long before you were even born. I want you to ask Holy Spirit, what is standing in the way of you believing your true identity and walking in it? Because something may be blocking it. It's either a lie that you believe, a lie that someone has spoken over you, or circumstances has convinced you about, or something happened to you that hurt you. You've got baggage and issues, and that's standing in the way of finding, recognizing the true nature of who you are. And then we, it, when Holy Spirit starts showing you these things, I want you to lay them down at His feet. The Word says, cast your burdens unto me, for I care for you. Let's cast our burdens unto Him. If it's a lie, I want you to say out loud, in the name of Jesus, I fall out of agreement with this lie. And you replace the lie with the truth of any of these statements that we've made today. Any of these scriptures, I am, even if you just keep going, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am called for God's kingdom. And then I want you to decide to walk in the fullness of who you are. It takes a deliberate, intentional decision. Say, from this day on, I'm going to walk in the fullness of what God has called me to. And not just know this knowledge that I'm giving you today but actually apply it to your life. Ask God to strengthen you and help you as you do it. And once again, none of us can do this alone. We need people in our lives. You need a brother and a sister that looks at you and goes, you're a champion for Christ. You're a history maker. 
You've got amazing talents. Wow, that's special about you. I can see the, 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 the plan of God on your life. When I pray for you, I get a picture of what you're going to do for the kingdom. We need people like that in our lives. And we need to get rid of the toxic people in our lives. Not turn your back on them. They need Jesus. We all need Jesus. But if you are hearing toxic messages 90% of the day, you need to change that. Step away from that. Get in line with the good news of Jesus Christ. Get in line with people who love God and who love you for who you are and who God made you to be. One of the best pieces of advice I got from a friend of mine that's a pastor. He's now in, in, in France. He said to me that when he meets someone new, before he, he, he decides, he's disciplined himself to not jump to any first impression conclusions, but to take a moment while he's looking at this person and go, Holy Spirit, how do you see this person? Yo, that rocked my world. Because you'll know, I know from my wife's profession that um, statistics show people make a first impression about who you are based on what you look like, your body language, the way you speak, within one and a half second. People decide, this is the pigeonhole I'm going to put you in. You're this kind of person. But we need to make an intentional decision. We won't do that. We will look at people and go, Jesus, how do you see them? And then love them that way. Love them accordingly. And I want you to know that how the Holy Spirit looks at you. Because you may not have a problem seeing the best in others, but you may struggle to see the best about yourself. Paul says in the Word of God, we must not think of ourselves more than we ought to. But it doesn't say don't think anything of yourself. It's about thinking the right amount of identity in Christ about ourselves. To know that we are special in God's eyes. We're the apple of His eye. He loves us. He has a plan for us. And He also has it for other people around us. So, let's take a moment. Let's reflect and respond. I'm going to tell you these pointers again. And we're going we're gonna to pray through them. Baby, can you come more music? Thank you, all right, let's close our eyes and focus on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that, that we can come to you in this moment. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just minister to everyone listening and watching right now. That they will experience your closeness, your love. And I pray now, Lord, that you will help all of us to know who we are. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will reveal to each one their true identity that was established long before they were born. Show them, Lord. Show them. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will show them what is standing in the way of them believing their true identity and walking in it. Show them, Jesus. Show them, Jesus. All right, now everyone watching and listening, as the Holy Spirit is revealing these things to you, I want to ask you to audibly say, 
I fall out of agreement with this lie. And you name the lie. Say, I don't believe this. I fall out of agreement with this lie. If you have sin in your life that the Holy Spirit has shown you, this is actually what's keeping you back. I want you to confess that sin. Just confess it. Say, Lord, I repent of this sin. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And His Word says He's faithful to forgive. If you're in a very difficult situation of someone always breaking you down and taking away from who you are, I, I want you to say, Lord, save me from this situation. Do a supernatural work so that I can get away from this situation and get around people who love you and love me. I pray for that, Lord. And I want you to choose now to walk in the fullness of who you are and say, yes, from today I decide I will walk in who God made me to be. I will walk in the fullness of my true identity. God, I pray right now that you will help everybody that's listening right now, that has made this decision to strengthen them and guide them to do that. Lord, I pray that you will bring a fellowship of believers around them. Lord, if they can, if they're close, I pray that they will join our ministry and that we can help them get around them, disciple, cover. But if, if they are not, that they will find a spiritual home, Lord, where, where that can happen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you realize today that you may not have given your life to Christ, that you're not a born-again believer, you're not saved, or maybe you've backslidden, or maybe you're not sure where you're going. If you maybe had to die today, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want to give you an opportunity to make the best decision of your life, to follow Jesus and to come in alignment with His will for your life. I want you to just focus right now and pray after me. Lord Jesus, today I choose to follow you, to give my life to you. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I repent and I turn to you. Thank you for dying on a cross so that I can be free of the penalty of sin. Thank you for dying on a cross so that I can have life everlasting. Jesus, I choose life with you. I lay down my will and I choose to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If that was you today, if you made that decision, please comment. I've come home. I'm saved. I'm born again. Let us know. Reach out to us. We would love to connect with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you know to a greater extent who you are, why you are here, what is your message, and to who is your message. May God bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Please join us next week for our Passover um, weekend, Easter weekend, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday. Come and join us. Make sure to register on the Church Center app or on the link in this description. 
We are so excited to welcome you there. I want to just thank the team here that has been helping us. Thank you so much, guys. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for everyone who joined us today here in our home. We appreciate you guys and love you so much. And we look forward to seeing you guys at our church. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church message of the week. We trust that you found that encouraging, inspiring, hopefully challenging in a good way, and that you will come back next week to listen again. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. May God bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you and your family. Bye-bye.